Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Church is Now Online, the best podcast for your pandemic. We're excited to be here. We got Dan Jacobson in the house. Oh, we got no. Kristen Jacobson in the house. What's up? What's up? And we got the one, the only, Daniel Asher. See, oh, it's, it's irresistible. My, it's it's it my is. turn. It's your turn to be the one and only. <laughs> I got you. I gave it to you, Daniel. Mm. I gave it to you. We saw Laura Wasco the other day, and she what? She was like, she wanted to become the one and only on the podcast. <laughs> She's like, when is it my turn to be the one and only? I was like, well, you got to come on the show. So. I love Laura Wasco. She's the best. Yeah, I think Laura's gotten more shout outs on this podcast than Jesus. <laughs> You're probably right. That's kind of sad. Yeah. I think our, our show. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, well, theology and there's Waskoology, and they're not the same. So. Well, very close. Shout out, Wasco. Love your theological debates on. Guys, we were, on the, uh, we were on the Zoom call yesterday for the services. And yeah. I don't know if anybody has heard about the next. Uh, most terrible thing in the world, the Asian murder hornets. Have you heard about this? <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> the murder hornets. As if 2020 hasn't been crazy enough already. It's murder hornets that just so happen to be from yes. the continent of Asia. <laughs> yes. wow. Careful here. Careful, Careful here. That's right. That is a very good point, Daniel. I appreciate the murder hornets. The fact the I, I was, is I was yeah. reading an article. <laughs> I was reading an article and I cracked up that researchers are literally calling them murder hornets i know as if there was like we already didn't have an issue with being whipped up in the media like they had to choose that name "Ah, just call them murder hornets murder hornets okay i feel like you might need to explain just in case there there's anybody out there who hasn't heard about the murder hornets like daniel yeah i was i I had no idea i've been in a I don't know if I can they're they're giant hornets (laughs) i was just watching if you've never seen um brave wilderness on YouTube, this Coyote Peterson guy, he does his own sting index, so he gets stung by all these different insects. And no. I just watched the one yesterday. Dude, he no way! Stung. I'm looking at these yes. right now. He got stung. <laughs> he stung God. himself with a murder hornet in Japan. He did it. He did it, and it, it, it is terrifying. His his whole arm swelled up. He said it's the worst sting he's ever done, and he's done like bullet ants and tarantula hawks. It's it. You should look it up. It's. My Dude, palms were what? sweating. So it like, the, like it's the, like two thumbs. It's like two thumbs. The, the, the health organization is <laughs> saying that if you get stung like five times, you, you you'll die. I mean yes. that's why it's called a murder hornet. Yes. And like that it actually kills people, like a oh, hundred people a year or something. Did yeah. you hear that? Yeah, like a hundred people a year. I think it, he said yesterday, a 30, 30 people a year in Japan die from. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He said most of them. We're going to were... need to make sure that we're checking with the CDC before we start giving out statistics and but rates upon I had This is Coyote Peterson. <laughs> Anybody whose name starts with Coyote Peterson. <laughs> He's got to be legit. He's got to be legit. <laughs> is this right? the guy from the Tiger Show? Yeah. No, Dan. Please. <laughs> it sounds suspicious. Yeah. Okay, oh. so they're not in Indiana. I feel like we need to like put oh, yes. everybody at ease. Dude. They're not. They're yes. Washington. I'm... Poor Washington, man. But how far is Washington from Japan? Mm, Good question. I would say 5,000 miles. Is that distance longer than the distance from Washington to Indiana? I feel like it is. Yeah. If they can make it that far, <laughs> watch out, everybody. Oh, I no. am yeah. hardcore down a Google hole Did right you look now. Of <laughs> images. Oh, me too. They're what? what have you found out? 
They're terrible. They're this. Uh, uh, I'm so scared. Uh, did you ever watch um, that movie, uh, Arachnophobia? Yes. No, yeah, 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 no, for sure. But like not. this is taking me. This is taking me there. Oh my goodness. So they're huge. They're. They, I saw a graphic like a, a regular hornet and then like a, a bumblebee and a queen bee, and yeah. they look like ants compared to these murder hornets. It's like a small bird. Is essentially yes. what it is. They're Guys, like I feel like we are we are we are dangerously close to losing our entire audience. Right now. <laughs> You're right. We should move off. <laughs> we, we should move off are murder hornets and onto growing something. Growing the back seven acres of HP. No. Is that what no. it is? But why you know are none what? of the trees? Why are none of the cute? Like why are none of the deadly animals like cute? Like there are there like are bears. Cu- you mean? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm just saying, like there are cuter bats than the than the horseshoe bat. Way cuter bats. Like there's the uh, little fox, little fox bats. Oh. Hey, hold on. Called. I feel like we've moved off murder hornets, but maybe not far enough. <laughs> it, it's just something worse. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just saying, trying to get my mind off of if, it. <laughs> if, if we've survived coronavirus, though, I think that we can survive the the murder hornets. I am ten yeah. times more afraid. Of oh. murder Stop! No, you're not. No, that's not oh. true. Get on Google and prove well, you're And <laughs> were you gonna have your wedding in Washington? Is that what was going on? Oh man, like we were gonna have it in Seattle, but then the coronavirus outbreak. How hard would it be to be a Washingtonian right now? It's um, uh, you really got a lot to think Seattleite. about. Yeah. Well, we could talk about uh, the governor's the governor's uh, announcement from from Friday. Yeah, that, yeah, that feels that like a little moves. bit of good a little bit of good news, right? That was Some I was good news. I was uh, nervous to hear it because I didn't know. Yes. <laughs> if it was gonna be good. Okay, Did in what way? That? In yeah, what, what way? What are you nervous about? I was just like, I don't know. I was just nervous about the unknown. Like, what's he gonna say? Or because I know it states previously, like Washington's locked down until July sixth or something. Illinois. Illinois. Oh, we're the. All I didn't the even know. Yeah. 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 That's so. I was like, I don't. I don't think I can take be- more bad news. So it was. Yeah. It was really good. It was like a breath of fresh air, light at the end of the tunnel. I think I was honestly preparing myself for another two-week extension or another 10-day extension, and then maybe, you know, around the middle of May, there'd be this plan that was unrolled. So for sure, it caught me off guard to say, whoa, wait, you mean like hair salons are opening up pretty soon, and, (laughs) you know, you can start seeing light at the end of the tunnel, which is is pretty interesting. And I don't know, do you guys think that people are – I don't know how how much stock do you think people are giving the government right now in terms of oh man that's like, a good question like you're saying it's okay so it's okay do you think people are still skeptical about it um hmm. or the governor said we're good we're good I mean like how, how I I have a lot of I mean I have a lot of trust in the governor but I'm still gonna take every precaution that I can you know I I think we ease back out of it just kind of like we were planning to ease into it. I know that that plan was shot, but I, I trust, I trust the governor. I trust what they're doing, it, but it's a little bit different because we're so close to, to Chicago. So how do you, how do you do that? Do you take, you know, what Illinois is doing or do you take what Indiana's doing? What do you guys think? Or Michigan. Right. Right. Or it's, Michigan. Hard. it's hard not to be skeptical when you have yeah. professionals and so-called experts on such varying sides of this debate. So that's a, that's a difficult, I don't know. I feel, I feel a conflict within me. Like I am happy that things are opening up, but I also feel like if the virus has not gone away and we have no vaccine, I, I still have a very real sense of 
fear and and in not in debilitating, but okay, I want to be cautious. I don't want to go out and mm-hmm. just throw caution to the wind and, you know, go to the park with my kids and go on, you know, the splash pad in Valpo with hundreds of people. You know, I don't want to be just um, negligent now. Not that, not just to be clear, not that the governor was saying we should do that. Do you think that the splash pad in Valpo is going to be converted from water to hand sanitizer? Like it's just hey, some shooting idea. out sanitizer. So it's like an every idea. kid that runs through there is purified. Let's be real. It was probably... It was a, probably a petri dish of germs this whole time, and <laughs> like, coronavirus you know has just yeah. <laughs> allowed us to be aware of it. And nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody no, exactly. Cared. Now we care. I yeah. I don't know. I there there is a bit of hesitancy, but at, at some point you have to. I guess we're gonna have to learn either to live with that or I don't know, Kristen. What do you think? At, at what point are you? Not, not maybe not fearful anymore. Is it when a vaccine is is created? Yeah, or? yeah. I don't know because I think there's yes. I think if when there's a vaccine or when there's even like you know they're talking about treatment drugs that mm-hmm. that could potentially lessen the time or the duration of the virus and all those things. So I think as we take steps closer to that, I feel more comfortable as there's less and less of the virus in our community. I feel more comfortable. But you know, like. County was one of the highest in Indiana. And that's, you know, just right over there. Even some of our listeners probably in that county. And so there's a, a feeling of, um, I'm not sure we're totally there yet. And um, yeah, I still, I still, I still feel, oh, okay. <clears throat> Can we edit that out? I still nope, feel nope, very cautious in my own yeah. Have way to approach life the meme on facebook that says just because the restrictions are lifted it only means that the icu has a bed for you oh hmm. no i haven't that's that's a that's dark that's terrifying that's super dark man and yet is that possibly one of the realities right i mean hmm. when we talked about flattening the curve it was to the cur- what was the curve the curve was overwhelming hospital cases and hospitalizations right. So right. the rates of infection are, it's, you know, it's still out there, but we seem to have delayed at a point where our government is saying, if, if you get sick, we'll be able to take care of you. Right. However that goes, it's still a risk. I'm, um, so maybe if I can blend two, two recent events together, I mean, one is the governor's statement the other is I, I had to. I got both the privilege and the obligation to preach this past weekend. It's an opportunity. Opportunity, which might you say? Some might invent words to talk about what I had, but <laughs> I, um, we that was on the calendar for a long time. Like we we had that scheduled, and the passage was scheduled, and I felt very fortunate that it was one of those passages that feels like it reaches right into people's lives today. You know, just by its very nature of talking about. Christian love, brotherly love. And part of what I, I was hoping to apply that message towards is, you know, Christian love as we bring people back into churches, as we reopen churches. And I don't know, I, I do you guys foresee, are, are you maybe as nervous about the reopening of churches and the differing of opinions that some people might have as to maybe not even just churches, but 
homes, like people with small groups who might be on different sides of, um, let's just call it comfort, right? It's not even, it's not a right, wrong morality thing. It's just a sensitivity to how nervous they are or, or, you know, they've got family or friends that are in high risk situations or in high exposure situations. Are you guys as nervous about that as I am? I'm, I'm less nervous about gathering in a church building, I guess, than I am that this situation has the opportunity to be, to, to be incredibly divisive within the church. Yeah. Right. Be, because of the differing of, uh, of opinions about how we should go about this. That's, that's to me is what's overshadowing even um, the, the fear of contracting, contracting the virus. I'll tell you right now, uh, as someone who's, you know, giving thought to how we, re- we reopen the church, I have a high degree of confidence, not in just our government, but in our elders mm-hmm. and in yeah. our pastoral team who are thinking about how do we keep everybody safe and, and exercising wisdom and caution in the midst of this. So Scott, I'm with you. I, I have no qualms about being in the church building with people. Yeah. Um, but there's a bunch of different realities that are going to hit us, right? I mean, maybe we talk about a few of those things and just speculate. We, we really can't, you know, these aren't announcements, but this is just like, what, what would it look like for us to love one another in the midst of XYZ situation? Um, you know, Scott, what if you and I were in the same small group and Kristen and I were like, hey, we're coming over for a small group. And you were yeah. like, I don't know about that. <laughs> what, would, what would love look like in that situation? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's, I think you have to go back to, to grace and truth and your, yeah. uh, don't be concerned about y- like where you're at. I don't think we sh- you should be concerned about where you're at. If you're still concerned about being around people, don't, I don't know, don't worry about that. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. who you are and that's where you're at mm-hmm. and you shouldn't um, feel bad about it, you know? So you, tell, you mean in the sense of on the spectrum of comfortable yes. or or nervous around being yes. around people, not necessarily like how close you are to people. No, no, no. Right. Yeah, yeah, no. It's yeah. a metaphorical spectrum. We're still six feet apart. No, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're still employing yeah. social distancing. Social distancing. Yeah, I don't know, but so uh, there's nothing wrong with like speaking truth about where where you personally are at emotionally or you know uh, concerning the pandemic still. But I think there needs to be grace given towards those. It's almost it's like the weaker brother um, debate and argument. There needs to be grace given to those people who don't want to to connect or don't want to be uh, around people yet. Yeah, I guess I, I so I've heard that argument a couple times in in our church. Even you know that we need to show deference to the weaker brother. I struggle with that because. This is not necessarily a sin issue or a morality yeah. issue. This is a, this is a a you know caution state of life for my health type of issue, and so I want to be careful not to label it that specifically. But I, I agree that the principle how we treat though that principle is the same way that we would go about showing love to one another, which is to say the loving thing for me to do for for someone who has a differing opinion than me is to not write them off as crazy and yeah. Not, yeah. not shame them into a situation yes. where they feel out of their um, comfort zone or their conscience is hurting them because they're like, you know, I remember, do you guys remember, maybe we talked about this a long time ago, the first couple of times that we would go into places 
where you're grocery shopping or whatever, I would get out of the store. My my heart and my chest would hurt because of like angst. <laughs> like I was in such a stressed out situation where everybody was quiet. We all were kind of like, you know, freaked out in the grocery stores. And I think there's going to be some people who their first time in someone else's house, mm. it might be a physical reaction for them. It might take a little getting over some nerves. And how do we, the question I keep going over is how do, how do we show love to one another mm-hmm. That's when, what... when we, we don't all see it the same way? See, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking through it. And there's really only a few people that I've run into and encountered that are like truly nervous about going back into social settings. The greater majority, I mean, the oldest is like 94. Like people that I've talked to are like, I'm ready to go back right now. So I think that's another thing to be sensitive to is like how to speak truth into their lives and be like, well, it's not time yet and treat them with love. Seriously, I think there's going to be some uh, people who are pretty impatient at this and it's not really, I don't know, serving the other. Yeah. What, what if, um, so obviously social distancing has spatial requirements, right? Six feet. And whenever we have a chance to bring people together, at least back at HP, that's a, that's looking like all, all, um, indications that we're going to need to have people who are in the auditorium, you know, spaced out six feet, you know, your household family unit, you're allowed to be together within that within whatever proximity you feel comfortable with. But then there needs to be this gap, this buffer zone of yeah. six feet around you. So in our auditorium, we're probably going to need to set out, set up chairs for people that are, you know, custom spaced, <laughs> you know, for, for there to be proper guidelines to keep everyone safe in the building. And I think about the way that our auditorium is going to look whenever we are able to bring the first x amount of people into there which by the way is not 325 people yeah yeah because if you need six feet there's it's a finite auditorium i love our small auditorium i think it's the perfect size auditorium for any church ever i just love it you don't need tons of imag you can see pretty much across the room it holds enough people but then you put social distancing in effect and it feels like like a, a teacup yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. It's just a like, tiny, tiny limited space. Like maybe only fifty people or less right. than, which right. I'm thinking right now, that's that's gonna be weird. That's just gonna yeah. feel weird. Yeah. Well, my question is, my, my, well, one of my questions, sorry, is uh, you know what's gonna be the first reaction to if somebody gets sick? Like if we if we meet with like fifty people and there's like one person that gets that gets ill, um, are we going back to like? Full closure, or are we still kind of like pressing forward in small increments? That's my curiosity right now. Is what 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 are those stages going to look like? Because obviously, you know, everything shuts down overnight, but opens up over you know long period of time. So what does it look like? They're excellent questions, man. And we've got some instances where we know a little bit what it is. In yeah. that case, where like if you know, God forbid, there was a uh, verifiable transmission in our auditorium, we would be um, paying a bill to have that thing deep cleaned. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's there's companies that are deep cleansing. And this is how, you know, places like UPS or, um, you know, corporate America, 
is is keeping really strict accounts on these things and warning people and uh, you know, like maybe you don't know this, Daniel, because you don't have kids in school. But you know, your kid is exposed to strep, and they send a letter home, or pink eye, and they they send a letter home, and you yeah. are all, often getting these like, uh, you think we're gonna get like the hey, by the way, you're exposed <laughs> to COVID, like is that a letter that's gonna come in the mail or a phone call? I mean, we had a we had a funeral at HP um, before this all happened, and we were aware of the risks, and we had everybody sign a sheet of paper. Yeah. Just in case we found out that there was a transmission there, we could mm-hmm. alert people and do contact tracing. And part of I part of what we got to do just to be on the cautious side is to be aware of who's in the space, and that probably is going to mean like registering before you even come to church. You know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like oh, this doing is, that whole thing. And this is I was I just I wanted to hear your thoughts on that, Dan. We will have to register people before they come in. How do you think people will respond to that? How do you think our congregation will respond to that? I think our congregations respond fine to it because I think our people are so reasonable. Mm. You know, I, I think um, it's going to be a weird feeling to treat a church service like a movie theater, like where you got to yeah. get your ticket in advance maybe. And, and I would hope that, you know, people are sensitive to the fact that our building's small and we, you know, sadly can't be um, – you know, hosting a million services because uh, it's just impractical from some of the requirements that the CDC is putting upon us. Um, but I think our people, are, are they're going to, I think they're going to um, uh, be okay with that. That's just the requirement for how we order it and what we're going to need. Um, it is going to be awkward the moment someone tries to like scalp a ticket. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't get into the service this weekend, but I'm working next weekend. I'll give you 20 bucks for yours. Like, please hear me right now. Do not pay for a ticket to church ever. Yes. Please report whoever's trying to sell that to we're you. We're still streaming online. Us. Yeah. And that's the thing is that we're going to reopen our church, but we've committed to live stream. As the primary, even the governor said, our choice for churches is for you to continue live streaming, right? That's that's really the best way for you to participate in services at this point. Dan, another question, and maybe Kristen, you could hop in on this too. I'm thinking of uh, child care. Yeah, that's not happening. Probably <laughs> child care, right? So yeah, that's will what have I... kids at, in service. No, well, I, they, I'm sure that this will be determined, but the reality is kids cannot social distance. They don't have the capacity for that sort of self-discipline. So um, I hardly have the capacity. I know, Some right? Don't <laughs> have the capacity. Goodness. Kristen's um, just going to go up and hug everybody for first chance. Right. Gets. Oh, you know I am. Um, uh, so I think the the thought is that we won't be able to have child care. Um, yeah. Probably the, the reality is not until... Well, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. It feels like there's enough speculating going on, but um, we won't for the foreseeable future. And so at HP, that makes our our demographic is such like it's so young family. And so thinking about how that changes the people who are able to come and engage, even if the worship services are smaller and um, social distance, if people can't bring kids that are under eight or 10, that um, prevents, you know, that's over half of our church. You know, and yeah. and I think there's you know there's ways that w- this one spouse could come on Sunday and the other spouse could come on Wednesday, and mm-hmm. but you're still having this disconnect. It, it's never going to feel like church as we knew it 
for a very long time. And I feel the burden, particularly as a, as a mom of young kids to feel like, oh man, like this is even, even with a little bit of reopening without, without being able to go with my family, that's going to be, it's going to be hard. Yeah. And it's not that it's never going to get back to it, but we're not sure that like, we don't see the light of the tunnel at the end of the tunnel there yet. You know, part of it's like, we're going to reopen and uh, in two weeks, what do we see? Like, is it, is, is everything okay? And I'm praying like, God, just help us, keep us. Uh, I'm going to be glass half, glass half full. We're going back to July 4th because I got a wedding in August. I got a wedding in August, August, I got a wedding in August. uh, All right. That's what we're shooting for. Come on vaccine or some kind of treatment treatment drug. Um, so we still haven't answered the question, though. Like, I was just about to say, can I go back to this, like, loving each other yeah, in the midst please. of this thing? I was thing? just going to try and pull us there. Uh, I thought you were so, about to talk about the hornets. I was No, I don't want to go back to the hornets. <laughs> I don't want to go back. <laughs> and a uh, confession here, I, I had to get up and walk away from this call. So if this has already been set while my child was screaming in the other room. So if this has already been hey, that's said, my child I too, apologize. So. <laughs> Sorry, right, our child. Um. No, just thinking about how we love each other in the midst of this. And I even listened to um, another podcast sort of discuss this and in, in what does it mean to love? And Dan, you mentioned this on Sunday too. So much of it is laying your own rights, privileges, um, preferences, conveniences, laying those things down for the betterment of somebody else. And I, I'm not sure we've ever had a moment like this where we get to see the American ideal of Mm. I am my own person and I have rights and freedoms and nobody's going to take that away from me. That reality is an American ideal. That is not a Christian ideal. And what we see in scripture is that it is my duty as a believer to put my rights, my desires, my wants, and needs behind yours. And so if that means that I don't get to go shopping unless I'm wearing a mask because it's going to help prevent you, my brother or sister, from getting infected, I get I have to lay that down. And I, I think I'm just, as I see like these discussions and these, you know, protests and all those things rising up around the country, as a believer, I have such a conflict in my spirit about that mm-hmm. where I am first and foremost, a follower of Christ. Do I appreciate my freedom as a, as a, an American? Of course, but, but that is not what this is. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and, and we, we have conflated those two things. I think with this like idea of autonomy and independence and freedom, and we've equated it to what we have as, as Christians and that's not at all what we're guaranteed, nor is it what we should value. Right. Sorry, I'm on a soapbox. I, well, I, I affirm that because you, you um, see what neighborly love looks like in the story of the Good Samaritan. And the question that kicks off that whole story is, who is my neighbor? And to answer that story, Jesus gives a very specific response with a surprising hero who does an unparalleled act of kindness and it costs him and it's love on display you know many times over 
And he essentially gives up his rights, his freedom, his money to take care of a stranger. And the fact that he takes care of a stranger is so instructive for us in this mm. time because it's not like they they were on a first name basis and the Samaritan was like, hey, that's Bill. Right. And go, Bill, what's wrong? He's like, I don't know this guy, but let's take care of him. And the fact that there's this ambiguity of who is my neighbor and this, you know, random Jewish person being helped by a Samaritan. It, it's the same question that I have. I don't know who I'm helping by wearing a mask. I don't know the names of the people who are vulnerable when I'm out at Lowe's or at you know the grocery store and I'm masked up. But I, I want to, in some sense, do the small things that I can do out of a sense that maybe this is being loving towards other people. Mm. Um, I had a conversation with one of our own pastors uh, on Sunday who, you know, we're walking around Crown Point and he's masked up and uh, is, it, it, you know, it comes out that, you know, he's very nervous about um, people in his own family uh, being at risk. And so out of, a, out of that cautious spirit, um, really just having that mask on is some way for him to love those people in his house. And I, I look back, and I was like, man, you know, out of my love, I love those people in your house too. And out of my love for them, I should be wearing a mask in your presence so that you feel loved by me as well. And so there's really no limit to, and when you're talking about contagion, there's no limit to the steps that you go to if you are concerned about people who are vulnerable. You know, just because, you know, we're young doesn't mean that we are immune from carrying or passing it on. It just means that we have a better chance of fighting this than someone yeah. else does. Right. And so that's a that's a huge aspect to see your rights and privileges are not something that you possess for your own good. I think I said that almost verbatim yesterday. Mm. But rather it's something that love gives away. Love love is always fighting for life. And wherever death is in, is you know impending, love is going to get in the way of that to bring life. And I, I think, um, I think, yeah, we just gotta be more critical about why do I feel I'm entitled to live however I want. Right. Yes. That's something that I would just say, man, we gotta, we gotta be self-aware or maybe just self like reflecting about why do I think this way? What's informing my angst here or my desire to believe in this so strongly? Is it, something that I've been trained by the country that I live in, by these ideals and these values that have been told to me, or is it by the word of God and what, what God has? Cause I think we, we just have allowed those things sort of to come together and to inform our thinking in ways that has been so um, slow over time that we don't notice it. Does that yeah, make they're sense? Indistinguishable from each yeah. other. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think for a lot of us, uh, um, there's been a, a major push in a, a dialogue of distrust towards the government. And because you want to protest, this doesn't mean that you don't care about your neighbor. It means that you're like, uh, you just really don't trust the government because there's so many lies. Um, that's, uh, I don't know, I've, I've really observed that uh, in, in the house that I'm currently living in, and I'm trying to be super sensitive. I think that's, I inter that's an interesting thing for us to think about people with microphones, which is all four yeah. of us right now. How do we love the people that we are talking to, which is, you know, you listening to this right now? And part of, I think, our commitment to them has to be not speaking out of um, 
you know, not speaking out of priorities that are disconnected from right. scripture and also not trying to be experts in areas where we have no business talking about, you know, we joke right. about, uh, the Hornets and whatnot. And I think people know the difference between that, but we've tried very conscientiously not to give any sort of medical opinion or, you know, governmental opinion or anything on this podcast because none of us have the expertise or the inroads in those arenas to make those calls or give advice. What are we? We are all pastors. We are all shepherds of people. We care for souls. And so the area of expertise that we are speaking into is more how do we help people handle their emotions and their spiritual well-being and, and act as the family of faith in a way that is consistent with scriptural commands in these moments when people are differing, when people are, yeah. you know, skeptical, how do we show that we're different? And I think that's, that's really what I was trying to get at at the end of the message yesterday and just saying Christians in the midst of pandemics have always excelled by one virtue and it's love. Yep. Whenever we've, we've, sacrificed ourselves the thing i didn't really dig into yesterday was the fact that most of the nursing that happened in the first and second centuries in rome was specifically christians right there were people who said man i might die because of this but i care for others and and thinking so clearly like i saw you know i saw jesus die or i know jesus died and uh he he's promised me a better life and a care for people in this life is is better than me preserving my own life. I mean, these are ethics that were totally contrary to- Or preserving to... my economy. Sorry, you want to throw that in the, <laughs> in the mix? Yeah, I mean, honestly, you can make the case in Rome, they were trying to gain access to the economy. Um, but yeah, it's the same ideal that, that no matter, you know, your own self-interests are put right. to the side for the sake of loving others who are in need. And uh, man, I, I just- uh, I think there's so many areas in which if we think about it today, we have tremendous opportunities to witness in just the ways that we show patience. Yeah. It's first Corinthians 13. What is love? It's patience. patience. It's kind. It's not self-seeking or easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, rejoices in the truth, protects, trusts, hopes, loves, perseveres. Um, and so, I just wonder if we kept those things in front of us as we think about, I didn't get a ticket to the weekend service this, this week. Mm. I'm not going to go on Facebook and blast the church for trying to keep people right. safe. Right. Or I had to wait outside of Home Depot for 15 minutes. I'm not going to blast Home Depot on Facebook for trying to help protect populations. Right. Um, I just think we need to be very aware. And listen, I waited in line the other day to check out five things of flowers. I waited in line for 40 minutes <laughs> just to pay. And it was tough. But you know what? I got through it. And as best as I know, people were cared for. It's just, it, it, it's, an, it's an opportunity for kindness and patience and all of those things to shine like never before. You know, like there's there's an element that we should always be that way. But yeah. as the world sort of devolves into this hateful, everybody's angry about something, everybody's fearful and out of fear and stress so often we respond in the worst parts of ourselves. 
and I, and I feel that in my own heart. Like, I, I don't mean that to say that I'm perfect at all, but, but man, what an opportunity if we as Christians are conscious of that tendency and fight even harder to, to not fall into that self-serving, fearful, uh, angry sort of response and instead push past that to say, no, this is what's better for everyone else. This is how I can help others. This is how even speaking kindly and positively of our government or of the, our leaders of our church who are trying to you know, navigate these waters none of us has ever been in, as we lift those people up, that, man, that it just shines so much brighter than it ever has. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Scott, you're hosting this conversation. Oh, am I? <laughs> Anything else you want to add to this? Because I feel like that was a great place to put a period. No, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that, guys. And and so much pushing back to Scripture. How can we be more Christ-like in this? And, and Kristen, as you were talking about rights, it, Philippians 2 came to mind that Jesus, even though he was you know, of the same nature with God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped and laid right. his own light, his own rights down yeah. as right. universal creator and i think this is a fantastic opportunity for us to model that christ likeness i'm pushing the light button on facebook on that yeah. i'm just pushing heart, it heart 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 no, the, the, the did you guys see the care sorry this is a hobby horse for me i oh, mentioned yeah. it in the sermon yesterday but how ridiculous is that care emoji i haven't the seen it yet one? Is that it's the, the, yeah. it's yeah, the yeah, creepiest yeah. emoji i've ever seen it's so detached it's just it's so pretty detached cute, from reality but, like it's Daniel's point earlier, it's like the creepiest cute thing I've ever seen. It is very creepy. Yes, just like the murder hornets. And with that, we're so glad that uh, you're hanging out with us (laughs) on this podcast. Until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Church is Now Online podcast. For more resources from Bethel Church, head to BethelWeb.org, where you can stream services, give online, and find ways to impact our community. To connect with the HP campus, the best way to do that is on Facebook. Join our group by searching Bethel Church Hobart Portage. If you enjoyed this content and want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you found this content. And it helps us if you rate and review. It just makes it easier for others to find us online. Church is Now Online is produced by the team at Bethel Hobart Portage. Christina Soderquist, Daniel Asher, Scott Irwin, and myself, Dan Jacobson. Thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, this podcast is to be continued.